0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Islam for Christians, episode 89, Biblical Figures in Islam, part 14, the New Testament, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the man before Jesus, the overlooked cousin who paved the way for Jesus, the man who lived alone in the desert calling people to prepare for the way of the Lord, which turned out to be Jesus, the man who baptized Jesus, the man who was murdered before Jesus, and the man whose story would start three of the four Gospels. John the Baptist, the eternal warm-up
1: act from the Gospel.
0: Aside from a very small band of Mandians scattered across the globe, John the Baptist is known almost entirely in tandem only with Jesus of Nazareth. And in Islam, it's no different. John, although I should actually say the full name John the Baptist, because even his name, his name itself, was overshadowed in part by other Johns to come. John the Baptist is recognized as an Islamic prophet. But, like with many others, The Quran doesn't really tell you anything about his actual message, only that his message was from God, and that he was indeed a prophet and someone worth listening to. Now, you may remember, John was mentioned plenty in the Quranic stories of his parents, and we did go over that earlier. But the whole Baptist part of John the Baptist, none of that made it into the Quran. So, in an episode about John the Baptist, the adult, you know, the prophet, which is what this is, there's just not much to go on from Islamic sources. He wasn't even known as John the Baptist. In the Quran, he is called Yahya. Now, for all you native English speakers out there, like me, that's Yahya with a hard H in the middle. Well, a medium H, actually. It's, it's an h With some flum behind it, but not that hard (laughs) sound. Anyway, we should pronounce that semi h, but we don't, and that's okay. You know, that's that's our language. We're English speakers. That's all right. But it's Yahya, Y A H Y A. That's the Arabic name for John, and it's referring to the person we know as John the Baptist. Now, I think this name started out as Yohanan, which the Arabs may have shortened to Yahya. Um, you can still see two of the three root consonants there. You know, and as English does, Ys become Js when they make their way to us. <laughs> That's how Yeshua became Jesus. You know, we didn't maintain the Ys of our father tongue, uh, which is mostly German. Um, you know, for example, in German, Johann is much closer to the Hebrew John than our John. Anyway. Yahya is mostly known in the Quran for his birth story and his role in the holy family of Imran. That is Mary's father, if you'll remember. And it's also the title of the Quran's third surah. We went over the differences with the biblical account of John's birth, which are pretty minor. And the same would be true of John's later life. Uh, Really, once John is an adult, I cannot think of a single thing in the Quran That contradicts the gospel story. Of course, I mean, part of that is just that so little of John is mentioned at all in the Quran. He is mentioned in the Surah of Mary briefly, confirming John as an Islamic prophet. But even this comes on the heels of his childhood narrative, basically God's words to Zechariah about John, who would be his son. This is a Surah 19, verses 12 to 15. And it was said unto his son, O John, his son, meaning Zechariah's son, O John, hold fast the scripture, and we gave him wisdom when a child, and compassion from our presence, and purity, and he was devout, and dutiful toward his parents, and he was not arrogant or rebellious. Peace on him the day he was born and the day he dies, and the day he shall be raised alive. Now that last part, the day he dies and the day he shall be raised alive, traditionally is not meant he will be resurrected. So there's not any kind of earth-shattering, crazy statement there. Basically, most commentators believe what this is referring to is just he's going to die like everybody else. And he'll probably have some kind of a special place on the day of judgment. You know, when, of course, he'll be raised alive, but so will
1: everybody else.
0: So here we have a whole bunch of kind words about John. Very kind words. But not anything terribly specific. Because you could say those words about any prophet, really. But if the Quran, you know, let's just say the Quran was your only source about this guy, Yahya, then his story in the role of Jesus, just only based on this, would be a bit confusing. As in, who is this other guy? And why did Jesus, or the holy prophet Isa, as Muslims would say, why did he need this person as some kind of parallel prophet? Now again, this is not faulting the Quran here. The Quran is a book with countless assumed footnotes, <laughs> which also can make it incredibly frustrating uh, in many ways. You, know, you just have to think of it as something that has several footnotes saying, see Luke chapter one. It's sort of implied, but it's not even there. Just like the original Arabic writing was almost a mnemonic device. You know, it didn't even have proper markings, <laughs> that had to be invented so that they could keep this, uh, this message pure and so that future generations would be able to read it exactly as it was read in the 7th century. As usual, the Quran is referencing a story, but the story itself is somewhere else, and it's not really telling us where. And like I said before, there's nothing very un-gospel-like in John's Islamic story. There's just very, very little of it. And the Quran never mentions his baptizing ministry. It never discusses any event during his prophethood. And it doesn't even talk about his untimely death. And it certainly doesn't give any historical context for when all this happened. You know, it's not that kind of book. You will not see words or you don't see names like Herod or Caesar or any of that. I don't think Pilate's in there either, because this is not a Jewish text after all, and the Arabs never had to deal with the Romans. That said, there are a few descriptors that made it, like this one from Surah 3, verse 39. Now, like the previous mention, this is also sandwiched inside a story about Zechariah and the birth of John. So the angels called out to him while he stood praying in the sanctuary. Allah gives you good news of the birth of John, who will confirm the word of Allah and will be a great leader, chaste, and a prophet among the righteous. Now that's chased with a T, not someone being physically chased. Chased as in not, you know, having sex. So the most crucial part of that whole thing is Allah gives you good news of the birth of John who will confirm the word of Allah. Confirm the word of Allah. So his mission, we're being told here, was simply to confirm the word of God. Or the more literal translation of this in the Arabic would be to confirm a
1: word from God. So what does that mean? To confirm the word
0: from God or a word from God? I've seen interpretations all over the place with this one. If you know the gospel story, Obviously, your mind goes to a very obvious place, confirming Jesus, you know, from the Christian perspective, the incarnate word of God. But there are other places to go with this too. What was John's mission? What does it mean to confirm the word from God? What is actually being confirmed? And to whom is it being confirmed? You know, who's getting this message? And does it mean... What does it mean, actually, to confirm the word of God? So, I have—I'll give you three main theories here. The, these are the big three
1: I see in Quranic commentaries.
0: So, the first possibility of what this means, and I think it's the most probable given the context, but you know, like I'll go over later. Take that what, for what it's worth. <laughs> that, that's just a personal opinion. It's saying the word from God being confirmed was specifically the word to John the Baptist's father, to Zechariah. This is in the middle of Zechariah's story, after all. Now, I'll give it for a refresher for those who don't know the Quranic story of John's birth. I'm not going to assume you've listened to every episode, but it comes directly before this passage. This is the Quran Surah 19, 7-10. O Zechariah, lo, we bring thee tidings of a son whose name is John. We have given the same name to none before him. He said, meaning Zechariah, My Lord, how can I have a son when my wife is barren and I have reached an infirm old age? He said, So shall it be. Your Lord says it is easy to me. And indeed, I created you before when you were nothing. And he said, My Lord, give me a sign. He said, Your sign is that you will not be able to speak to the people three nights while in sound health. So you can see the obvious implication here. John's righteous life will be confirmation that his birth was indeed a miracle. And this is a strong argument. (laughs) At least I think so. But there's also a weakness to it. A giant flaw, actually. Because really, Zechariah already had his sign. Surely that was confirmation enough, right? Doesn't he get it? I mean, if God took my voice after he said he would take my voice, I would need additional confirmation after that. Heck, I'd be worried about losing my eyes. You know, but maybe that wasn't the case here. <laughs> you know, so that, that, that's the interpretation number one. But... As I've explained many times, this is a religious text. It's pretty, I don't want to say the word malleable. Let's just say expansive and prone to interpretation. So for explanation number two of what this confirmation is, uh, let's zoom out and take a longer view, a more expansive view.
1: So interpretation number two. What
0: is being confirmed by John the Baptist? Confirming the word from God means what it means for all later prophets. Confirming the scriptures that came before them. And delivering the same message as prophets before them. In other words, John the Baptist and Jesus were further confirmation of the authenticity of God's previous revelations. That's totally plausible. And it's a common Islamic theme to boot, giving it extra credibility. And then we have number three. The number three explanation of what John is supposed to be confirming here. It's that John the Baptist, just like in Christianity, is a preparer, a warm-up act, the man preparing the way for Jesus sort of a pre-confirmation of Jesus' ministry. Now, this does seem a little strange on its face, because in Islam, both John the Baptist and Jesus were prophets. They were just prophets, mere prophets. However, I suppose it can still work in an Islamic context, though, because even in Islam, Jesus was still more than a prophet at least more than an ordinary prophet. Now, there's a reason Jesus features so heavily in a lot of Islamic eschatology. Remember, eschatology means the end times, the apocalypse, what comes at the end. Because Jesus, the Islamic Jesus, while not having the high Christology of Christianity, is still super, super unique in Islam for one giant reason. The Islamic Jesus was born of a virgin. And that's huge. And no other prophet, not even Muhammad, can say that. So yeah, maybe, even from an Islamic point of view, Jesus was a large enough figure that he needed a preparatory prophet of sorts. Because John was heralding something new. A more universal message that would be coming from God here on out. You know, um... What made this different was that it was to everybody, starting with John, a universal message to all ethnicities. You know, it's not only
1: reserved for the Jews anymore.
0: And similarly, you could also say that John was confirming Jesus in real time. Now, that's a fun thing that simultaneous prophets could do. Theoretically, they could reinforce each other, two prophets at the same time. So regardless of which one you like there, John, in the Quran, and Islam, is certainly a man worth listening to and unique in his own right. God gives you glad tidings of John, confirming the word from God, noble, celibate, a prophet from among the righteous.
1: Like I said, that's high
0: praise from the Quran. You know, he's noble. I mean, even in the old feudalistic sense, You know, like the inherited titles of medieval times, king, duke, earl. Even in that way, he's of noble lineage, sort of. Meaning, he almost had a royal spiritual title as someone of the family of Imran. Remember, that's Mary's father, this, who started this whole new sort of holy family. But also, and almost even more importantly, as the son of the prophet Zechariah. As the Quran said, he is a prophet from among the righteous, descended from the righteous. Now, it's not usually read that way, of course, because usually being among the righteous means something more like he's among the prophets. You know, the company of the prophets who are, by definition, righteous people in the Islamic sense. But that's just one additional take for you. Now there's one more attribute of John there I want to highlight. And that is that he was celibate. Even in the Quran, John is celibate. Like, in the gospel, there are usually a few qualities everybody knows about John. He was a a man in the desert, He was unmarried, unattached, eating bugs, never drank alcohol. That last one, of course, makes a lot of sense for an Islamic prophet. But celibate? That's a bit more rare in the Islamic context. And another thing about the Islamic John, in Islamic tradition, he is also considered to have been martyred. Uh, not as a warrior, but martyred Christian style, you know, executed, as was his father, Zechariah. So even the Islamic John the Baptist is the model of a Christian saint, something very, very new here. Someone representing the nobility of suffering, the holiness of suffering, redemptive suffering. And this would later become the archetype for many figures of Shia Islam, of course, but it doesn't fit the Sunni sensibility
1: quite as well.
0: And that's another thing. John was murdered. You know, the Islamic John was murdered. So why John and not Jesus? Now if you're confused, for those who don't know, the Islamic Jesus. Spoiler alert, skip ahead a little bit if you don't want to hear this. The Islamic Jesus was not actually crucified. So Islam was okay with John's martyrdom, but basically amended the gospel version to spare Jesus the crucifixion. Why? Why one and not the other? I really don't know. One possibility is that the Islamic tradition is Islamically wrong, uh, maybe an incorrect tradition that became distorted over the years. You know, perhaps the Quran does not mention John's death for a reason, maybe because it didn't happen, <laughs> Islamically didn't happen, as in it's not really in any of the authoritative sources. It's just something that kind of developed
1: traditionally later.
0: So John's death, it's not really a prototypical type of death that you would see in the Quran, in that it's, it's out of character because normally the Quran is a book about God winning on earth and in heaven. Now John's death, as it's told in the gospel and seemingly in Islam too, he was beheaded by a hypocrite like Herod which doesn't sound like winning, at least not in the sort of typical Muslim sensibility (laughs) that has developed, at least in the Sunni
1: community over the years.
0: But let's say the Islamic tradition is Islamically correct. Like I said, it's not based on anything in the Quran or the Hadith, you know, just for reference. Maybe part of the reason it was accepted is because simply because of the just ever-entwined relationship between John, the Baptist, and Jesus. So John was great, but in both religions, not greater than Jesus. And like I said, John was a different sort of Islamic prophet. Perhaps maybe he could have a different sort of death. Really, I have nothing as far as the reason why one was executed as a criminal and the other was not. Really, nothing, except maybe Jesus was more important. In Islam, God spared one and not the other. I mean, in one theory, even John the Baptist was actually the one crucified rather than Jesus. And in that story, John the Baptist, yet again, paved the way for Jesus. In that sense, literally substituting himself so
1: Jesus' ministry could continue.
0: So, they're always together, John and Jesus, even in heaven. In the Hadith story of Muhammad's famous night journey, his journey from Mecca to Jerusalem to the seven heavens and back again. Now there, in that story, when he gets to the second heaven, Muhammad sees John and Jesus together as always, the most famous of Islamic cousins. Well, that is, of course, until Muhammad and Ali. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time. Inshallah.